Welcome to this episode. Hope you are having a good day. My name is Joe Martino and I'm going to be diving through this uh, a bit of an introduction here as to what this podcast is and what it's going to be moving forward and kind of what some of these early episodes are in terms of setting a foundation for a lot of the types of discussions we're going to have uh, on this podcast and we have had on this podcast uh, in the past. So um, what I want to do here is just kind of go through kind of a summary of what has driven a lot of the work um, that we've done over the last 15 years or so, both with Collective Evolution and The Pulse, um, and just kind of go over some of the main uh, themes, the main background ideas that um, are kind of always in consideration when we're creating a piece of content uh, in, in the work that we do. So uh, what I want to do is kind of start off with a little bit of a very quick recap of you know, kind of where we began. So, you know, back in 2009, we started uh, Collective Evolution. And the purpose of Collective Evolution was ultimately to start, you know, igniting a form of conversation around new and emerging ideas, such that we could talk about how we can move from kind of the world that we're living in today, uh, to a world where humanity can more so thrive. So like, what's what's stopping us? What is What are some of the issues at play? And um, this was a, a desire that came ultimately out of me feeling like I was going through a very big transition in my life and was asking a ton of questions about why I believed what I believed and ultimately how those how those beliefs got there. And as I started to explore that, I noticed a lot of other people were exploring those questions as well. And I wanted to put my thoughts, my ideas out there to sort of act as a signal for other people to say, hey, yeah, I feel what you're feeling and, uh, and let's talk about it and let's take this further. Now, over the course of the years, we expanded out into documentaries, journalism. Uh, you know, we we did a lot of videos, podcasts, these sorts of things over the last 14 years. Um, we also ran into a ton of censorship, right? Uh, we everybody knows kind of our story. Uh, in around 2017, we were affected massively by censorship, uh, going from being one of the you know top thousand websites in the world to. I mean, who knows, we kind of uh, sort of abandoned our platform at this point and, and created a new one called The Pulse. But um, censorship is a huge part of our story and what has sort of caused us to have to sort of change gears and do things a little bit differently. Um, and unfortunately, that, that censorship has had a massive impact on our ability to sort of reach the types of audiences that we're reaching in the past. Um, but nonetheless, we're here and we still think our work is as important as ever um, and we're continuing forth. But um, over the course of having such an influential website for so long with Collective Evolution, we literally have had our content uh, viewed billions of times at this point. So we're talking about videos that we've put out on our YouTube channel and, and the amount of traffic we've gotten to our website accrues over the course of you know 13 years or so to about a billion views. And you, you learn a lot from that. You learn a lot about how to convey a message, about how people respond to a message, how you can influence um, movements, how you can influence people and large groups of people. And you know this is why there's a great amount of responsibility that somebody has to hold when they're using their voice, when they're putting something out there, especially if they have a, a larger platform, if they've built a larger platform where uh, something that you say can have a huge impact on, on what's going on. And that's certainly going to be a topic that we're going to talk about uh, as we are sort of in an era of, of having our free speech deeply challenged. Um, but nonetheless, 
we've learned a lot over the years. And so a lot of that is, is sort of going to be conveyed in a lot of what we're going to talk about here. Obviously, you know, we, you know, just a, as a point of clarity, we've come out with the pulse, which uh, launched about a year and a half ago now. Um, and that was a effort to sort of kind of move, a, sort of separate our work. We have a lot of big picture work that we're doing where we're looking at, you know, the underlying worldviews of a society. How can we create a new conversation that gets us into looking at our problems uh, in a way that it, is is really trying to understand what some of the challenges are so that we can actually create solutions moving forward that make sense. There's a lot of big picture work that we're doing and we kind of do that with collective evolution. Whereas when we're tackling day-to-day news stories, when we're tackling uh, subjects that we want to sort of dive into the facts and the details and that sort of stuff on what is what is more so in journalism uh, or sometimes investigative journalism, we do a lot of work with FOIA requests and that kind of stuff. Um, we do that over at The Pulse. So it's a little bit more of how we we take our philosophies that we uh, share in collective evolution and sort of push them into a very practical outlet uh, of news media and journalism called uh, The Pulse. So that's why we created The Pulse. Um, and uh, one last thing I kind of want to mention just as, as part of our journey here. Back in 2010, we launched a project called The Shift Project. And the purpose of The Shift Project was to essentially put forward a, a project that was going to discuss very, 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 you know, uh, in a, a niche way, you could say, um, this idea of here's the world we have today. Here are the, the challenges and the problems within it. Uh, this would look at all of the societal structures that we operate with today, see where the limitations are, really kind of understand what the problems are, um, and then sort of utilize what we do know about emerging technologies, emerging ideas, to be able to create a, a world that we can envision and then what we wanted to do is with the project show how we could transition from the world we are today, all, all the steps, all the possibilities to moving to that world um, that we envision. Now, at the time, we, we ran a few events for that. They were fantastic. They were sold out events uh, way back in 2010, but they were not really landing. It felt like there was a, a moment at that time in 2010 that people weren't exactly um, as receptive to this message as, um, as they might be today. Meaning, what I mean by that is, there's a lot more interest on a wider scale to discuss what solutions might look like and how we might get there. And one of the ways that, that we kind of know that is people have kind of become a little bit tired of just looking at what some of the challenges are in our world and are, are now starting to feel like we want a sense of what are the solutions and how do we move there. So that is gonna be a big part of this process uh, of what we're gonna talk about in these upcoming episodes here. Um, I'm gonna kind of run through next here uh, what are essentially going to be topics that will be uh, covered in about the next eight to nine, maybe 10 episodes um, before we start getting into what this podcast will continually be, which is you know a lot of interviews, a lot of discussions, a lot of uh, diving more deeply, deeply on topics with other people, um, which we're, we're definitely gonna be doing. But it, it, you know, for now, I just kind of wanna really set forth the foundation. So the topics that we will cover in some of the upcoming um, pieces here are gonna be things like the meaning crisis. So for example, we uh, you know have a lot of, like, like I said, underlying ideas that create the foundation, the boilerplate through which we're looking at the world. So we're looking at the world um, through a lens of really trying to understand what are the challenges that we're facing at the moment. So the meaning crisis, for example, is something that's been talked about quite a bit. Um, I've learned, you know, some of how I see this through my own experience, through reading the work of John Verveke, for example, and there's a few other authors out there who have tried to, to cap, ca capture this topic um, and have done a very good job doing so. But you know, essentially the meaning crisis is this moment where we are starting to lose a sense of what 
what we value, what what it means, what what do we take from the experiences we're having in our world and see as relevant and see as meaningful to us and see as exciting to us, that's sort of fulfilling. Um, it feels like in our world right now, we are in a moment where we're kind of, we have all these ideas, we have all these options thrown at us and we're not sure what is the most relevant, the most exciting, what is providing a sense of purpose, what is providing a sense of meaning to us in a way where we feel like we're doing something. It's almost like we're stuck in this habitual pattern, if you will, of just kind of consuming something and consuming something and consuming something, but never really knowing what do I do with that? What does that mean for my life? What does that mean for the way society is moving forward? And this meaning crisis will produce a lot of people, I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure what direction I want to take in life. Um, It produces a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of feelings of being deflated, uh, having a, a lack of inspiration, a lack of hope about where we're going in the world and and how we can actually take action and move forward. In, in a sense, we become paralyzed in, in a moment where we are just not sure what is important and what to do. And this meaning crisis, it, it plays within so many aspects of our world from, from politics to you know career to relationships to how we engage with social media and so on and so forth. So this is going to be a big topic that we will cover uh, in an episode. Uh, another big one here is is the sense-making crisis that we're going through. So this has everything to do with media, news, fake news, the information landscape as a whole, and ultimately this discussion of free speech, right? So free speech is obviously something that a lot of people worked very, very, very hard for uh, in, in you know decades prior, uh, even centuries prior, to, to bring to the table in, in certain countries. And that idea has permeated throughout uh, throughout the world. And a lot of people had to give up their lives and, and, and fight for this type of idea. And we're in a moment right now where that is kind of being taken away. Uh, and, it's, and it's almost in some cases by some people being given up. They're willing to give it up. Now, obviously, the topic of free speech is a very nuanced discussion from the standpoint that, you know, you can talk about free speech absolutism. You can talk about, you know, hey, maybe we should just kind of censor certain speech or what we kind of have today, which is, you know, dissenting voices, dissenting ideas are very, very, very quickly being uh, cast out of the public square in terms of conversation. So there's all these different perspectives out there. How do we make sense of, of what to say about free speech? And of course, in the sense-making crisis uh, in itself, which, like I said, involves media, fake news, uh, you know, a loss of, of actual journalism, um, a broken information landscape, how that ties in with social media. This whole crisis has a number of pieces to it from how we're making sense of information, our inability to critically think, our inability to be curious. What is driving that? Why have we lost our curiosity? Why have we lost our, our ability to really communicate with each other respectfully? Um, what's going on with that? And why are we getting caught up in echo chambers? What are the what are the devices at play, right? And this has anything to do with, you know, really looking at uh, the business structure uh, and the nature of social media. So the, and also the business structure of media and what incentivizes the way media works. Uh, it, it, obviously, things like division uh, are incentivized. So we're going to do an episode really kind of tackling that topic, um, really looking at kind of why our sense making is breaking down so deeply and ultimately what we can do to repair that because it's going to be a key uh, aspect to this whole thing. So Another topic we're going to get into a lot is uh, is social media and sort of this desensitization of people's attention and their the way they navigate things. So this is more going to be on a, uh, a physiological end to some extent, um, but also this sort of cultural decline that we're seeing. So we see that we're not valuing um, 
let's say, art or music or film or uh, even writing in the same way that we might have in the past. Now, you got to be very careful here because, you know, it's every generation is going to say their music is better than a, 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 the, the, the generations that came after them. And that's not what I'm getting at here. What I'm getting at here is, is what is, in essence, a, a lowering of the bar of what our culture values and, um, and what might be at play there and what's going on. Uh, and further to that is just the idea of if we're using social media so much and it's become a big part of all of our lives for the most part, um, at least, you know, big time in the developed world. There are other countries that don't necessarily have this, uh, this exact same experience. But um, if social media is such a big part of what we're doing, then we got to be looking at the mechanisms that are sort of trapping our consciousness, that are sort of pulling us into uh, division, that are pulling us into um, this inability to watch something that's longer than 15 seconds. Uh, there's a, you know, very common, we will hear from people when we put out a 15 minute or, you know, 30 minute video, you know, hurry up and get to the point. I, I can't watch this, blah, 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 after, you know, 20, 30 seconds. What is going on um, with that? And what we're going to find out in that episode as we go through it is there's basically a hijacking of our brain. Uh, there's a hijacking of our dopamine uh, release. There's a hijacking of our consciousness that's ultimately happening that is happening through social media. And we're starting to think that we're bored of a topic, but really we've actually been trained to be bored of anything that isn't constantly flashing in front of our face or changing, changing, changing. Um, you know, those YouTube videos that are cutting every like three seconds or so, you know, that has an impact on your brain. That has an impact on the way that you're able to pay attention. You're able to take in information. And I believe, and I've believed this ever since Snapchat first came out. And I, and I said within our company that we weren't going to put a lot of time into Snapchat because I actually think it is going to lead to, um, a negative neurological outcome down the road. Um, and I think we're seeing that today. And we're going to talk about in that episode um, how to make the case for that and how to ultimately use social media in a way that that is more useful and how to engage with content in a way that is a little bit more useful. But this is a big part of our story and how, we, um, how we're sort of getting lost in, in the way we're making sense of things. But um, another episode is going to be on this topic of uh, embodiment and what I've kind of talked a lot about in terms of uh, key components of being that are going to be very important as we continue to move forward and make sense of things here and uh, ultimately become engaged in creating a better world. And um, when it comes to embodiment, uh, we're kind of in this moment where our, our not only our minds through social media, but our physiology in a sense, has been hijacked. Um, and I don't want to say hijacked as in is it in, it's entirely about something external, um, somebody trying to do this to us. It, it's more so the nature of our current world, the cur our current structure, our current environment, uh, has a couple of ingredients within it that are very challenging to move through. So one of them is that we seem to be constantly exposed to stress. So chronic stress becomes a very big issue that impacts our nervous system. And, and the way this impacts our nervous system, it, it actually puts us in a, in a mode where we're unable to sort of uh, navigate and move in a smooth way through life. Now, there's a lot of key technical terms we can get into when we're exploring this, but the key takeaway, without getting into these technicalities in this early introduction, is that we're losing sense of our bodies. We're losing sense of ourselves. We're losing sense of what it feels like on a baseline level to be relaxed to be comfortable, to be within ourselves, within our attention, um, connected socially to other people. We're losing sight of that because our baselines are becoming what, what is a term we'll explore a little bit more deeply. Our baseline is dysregulation to an extent. Um, and this isn't every single person on the planet, This is, but this is a big part of our culture, that stress is creating this sort of chronic dysregulation within our nervous system that sets a baseline 
through which the way we feel is we've kind of got to a position where we don't know what we don't know. And what we don't know is that we're not feeling to the fullest of, of our capacity. And um, because of that, we've become disembodied in a lot of ways. And this leads to a, an inability to make sense of things. It leads to erratic emotions. It leads to feeling tired all the time, to feeling energetically lost. Um, it leads to sort of the desensitization that I was talking about, uh, about the social media piece. And um, it, it sort of shuts off some of the key components of being that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to mention here that I think are really important that um, are kind of a key part to our work that we always try and, and, and put into our work and, and hope within some of our courses and stuff like that, that we can help bring out in people. And that is, of course, is, is curiosity, playfulness, uh, a sense of presence, awareness and and sort of bringing wonder back on board which kind of goes along with curiosity but these pieces these these abilities within our being to be present to be curious to have a sense of self-awareness a sense of embodiment begin to become limited or almost shut off in a sense or maybe become just very desensitized um, the more we become dysregulated within our bodies within our nervous systems the more we lose sight of of that connection with ourselves and these pieces tend to be very, very important in how we engage our creativity, how we engage our innovation, how we engage our ability to respond, our ability to be activated in a way that is, is useful and not necessarily destructive. Um, so we want to look at these themes, these components of being and say, how can we bring these back online a little bit more? So we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, as we go through that particular episode there uh, around embodiment and, uh, and uh, key components of being. Uh, so one of the other things we're, of course, going to tackle is uh, sort of these ideas of structuralism, you know, complexity, and uh, and sort of looking at things as, as a system. Now, when I talk about these things, sometimes people will say, whoa, this sounds, you know, very logical, very cognitive. Um, you know, I don't want to think in that way. Well, here's the thing. Nature in itself, right? Something that a lot of times we may not associate it with being so left-brained or so logical or so, you know, cognitive, is a very complex system. Right? It's, it's a complex system whereby when you do something over here, it's not easy to predict what exactly is going to happen over here because there's such a deep level of interconnection. There's, there's all these little pieces, these fine balances within nature that it, it becomes hard you know, if I, to, to, to sort of predict what exactly is going to happen when I do something. You know, this is different from a car where if I take a spark plug out of a car, the entire system itself will not work right? Because it's, it's more simple in that way. It's a complicated system of many, many parts. Whereas complexity is not just a complicated system of many parts. It's a almost unpredictable uh, interconnected web of pieces together. And with that, sometimes it becomes very important for us to maintain our embodiment, maintain our curiosity, not uh, jump to certain conclusions, but be able to sit back and observe, bring our intuition, our impulse on board as we're navigating and engaging with more complex systems. Not only that, but, you know, the structures around us, the, the way we see our world, right? This gets into the concept of structuralism is the structures themselves are producing an environment, right? So our economic system, the way we run our politics, the way our education system functions, so on and so forth. These are societal structures that are, in essence, producing environments through which we are then sort of creating a feedback loop through the way they entrain human beings and then the way human beings through that entrainment, then feed back into that system. And we create this loop of, you know, uh, almost like this, this concept, it's not quite the same, but, you know, hurt people hurt people, right? So um, 
when, when we're making decisions in our society and when we're doing things within our society, we have to question what is driving us as human beings to do the things that we're doing? What is driving human beings to want to dominate other people? What are the worldviews behind the way our systems and structures function? And there's a lot of complexity there. There's a lot of nuance there. It's not black and white. And if we want to understand how to create a clear definition of what some of the problems are within our society such that we can go about fixing them and creating clear you know, uh, ideas and, and pathways to fixing them, then we have to be able to bring this complexity on board. And, we, and, and you know, this is going to involve us being able to feel, being able to notice, being able to you know, get in tune with, but also being able to understand at a cognitive level what is playing out a little bit more clearly, uh, such that we can we can solve that. Because I think we're going to find as we continue to move through this that a lot of you know the challenges that we have today on our planet are about the way our system and structure is set up. It is it is not set up to make the world thrive. It is set up for constant economic growth. The, it, you know, it's been hijacked in many ways to basically serve a very few elite rich people um, while the masses sort of fight amongst each other and are, and are kind of uh, competing with each other for whatever's left over. And, you know, this is not a world that is set up to thrive. And if we think, if we continue to move forward thinking that, well, our general political process and our general economic process will, if used right and if we press the right buttons, will eventually produce this thriving world where there's not hunger and war and, 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 and you know, uh, poverty all over the place, then if we don't realize that, that, that that's not possible in our existing systems and structures, we can't get there, then we're just going to keep playing this game on feedback loop over and over and over again, never really solving our problems while we're convinced by those few rich elite people that, oh no, the system's great. Let's just keep playing within it. So we need to have a very sort of honest and, and blunt discussion around that um, as we explore that. So that'll definitely be an episode that we'll talk more deeply um, about that. And one thing I want to do say is that you know, when we're uh, talking about these individual episodes that we're going to be doing, these next eight or nine episodes, um, following this, as we lay these foundations, following this, we are going to get into more uh, interviews and, and discussions with various experts and people who have been looking at these individual topics a lot more deeply so that we can continue to explore them. Because there's no way to, you know, explore a lot of these topics in, uh, in, a, in a simple, quick 20, 30 minute episode, which is uh, what a lot of these um, podcasts are going to be. Um, so then as we move to the next episode, it's going to be uh, something related to a pathway uh, to change. And um, I, I kind of mentioned before what it looks like um, in 2010 when we when we decided to create the shift project, which was essentially to say, uh, to reiterate, you know, here's where the world is today. Let's have a quick look at it and understand. Here's what might be possible. How do we create uh, the transition to move there and ultimately end up with a fluid flexible system that allows us to continue to evolve it and continue to innovate it in ways that don't have so much red tape, don't have so much uh, economic structure and political structure holding it back from being able to evolve, from being able to to allow that innovation to come through. Because it's, it's again one of the issues that we have, as we mentioned in the sort of the system and structural piece, that our world doesn't change very quickly today uh, in the way that it functions. I mean, you can argue that in some ways technology is advancing massively, but in, in a lot of ways, some of the deeper foundational aspects of our system does not change very quickly because it's our system is not designed to be fluid and flexible. Our system is designed to, designed to be very, very rigid uh, and to be very, very difficult to impact. Um, and that's just the way it's designed. It's a, it's a bad design and it's a design that is good for a very small group of people while everybody else uh, has a pretty difficult time um, 
doing what they need to do. So in talking about this pathway to change, we're going to kind of unpack this a little bit more. We need to be getting comfortable with the idea of a transition, right? It's not going to happen, boom, at the snap of the fingers. Um, it's also, we need to be able to look at conversations like the Great Reset, some of the technology that's involved there, some of the ideas that's involved there, and be able to pick apart what are some of the good ideas and what are some of the bad ideas. Because the challenge that we're having today is we're, again, bringing this black and white thinking, right, which relates to this whole sense-making crisis that we're within. Um, we're bringing this black and white thinking to every discussion that goes on. And so we're missing the finer details, the nuance of what it's going to take to actually move ourselves forward as a society. And, and instead, we're getting into these hyper panicky, fear driven, I can't trust anybody types of modes that are not actually useful in us creating a, a thriving future. We, we do notice that we don't have a trust for existing administrations. We don't have a trust for a lot of the health agencies and so forth out there, especially after COVID. And that's a right intuition. We shouldn't have trust in them given what they've been doing. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Question is, is how do we respond to that situation in a healthy way that actually produces a thriving world moving forward? That's what we got to discuss because a lot of what's happening out there um, is sort of this very divisive, divided anger um, and resentment and, and blame and so on and so forth that's going on that I do not believe at the end of the day will produce uh, the world that we're, we're, we're looking for and that we know is possible. So we're going to discuss what a pathway to change might actually look like and how we can get comfortable with um, what is essentially going to be short-term solutions, long-term solutions, uh, in-system solutions, and out-system solutions all of which are going to be used at different times, right? We have to keep a consciousness, a knowing of what the long-term game looks like and how we can play within that while solving some short-term immediate solutions that are problematic, um, knowing when to engage within the system itself and knowing when to create and put energy into parallel systems, right? And although that sounds a little bit complicated now, um, it'll become clearer as we get through that episode and as we kind of uh, acknowledge that there's a collective of us. And you know, we're all going to be guided to and, and excited about solving problems in each of these different, um, you know, buckets, if you will. But it's great to have an understanding of what a short-term solution versus a long-term solution might be. So we don't lose sight of where we want to go, um, but we also don't lose sight of where we are right now. Um, so essentially, we're, we're taking uh, out, uh, us out of tunnel vision and kind of expanding our awareness a little bit, but without being... Um, so expanded that we're, we don't know what to do, right? So we're, we're keeping with practicality here as we talk about that um, in an upcoming episode. Uh, one of the other things I want to discuss coming up is in another episode, it's going to be called, uh, uh, it's going to be around technophobia and things like UBI and the phobia around that. Of course, with UBI, we're saying universal basic income. The reason why this is a, an important discussion relates a lot to what I just mentioned about transition steps and how we're going to move forward. Um, Again, we're stuck in this black and white thinking in a lot of ways whereby when we hear something like UBI, the only outcome we think of is, well, UBI, great reset. They're going to try and control everybody. Then you'll be only the only money you'll have is whatever the government gives you. You'll be a slave to them. You'll, you'll never be able to do anything. Well, yeah, that's, of course, one outcome, right? There's other ways in which UBI can be used. There's other ways in which UBI is a mere transitionary step towards a, uh, a better future moving forward question is, is are you going to let them dictate what your future is or are you going to be involved in creating it yourself, right? So the idea here is that UBI, as we're transitioning out of a very, very broken, very destructive economic system into potentially a, a type of economy that functions much more 
uh, efficiently, perhaps where money's not even involved at all, right? That's a possibility on the table. Um, UBI might be a very, very important step to move forward. Question is, is how are we going to bring that about? And are people even going to be willing enough to let their, their automatic guard down to this type of discussion where instead of just going, no, UBI is forever bad, it's always bad because it only has to do with the Great Reset. Or are we going to kind of see like, okay, there is a possibility for this if done correctly, but we need to know how to put that in place so that it is done correctly. And of course, the reason why we can't just say, well, that's tied to the World Economic Forum. Well, that's tied to the Great Reset. Therefore, it's always bad. The reason why we can't say that is because that one, that's not true. But two, it just means that the Great Reset, World Economic Forum could literally just say anything and take every good idea and just eliminate it because then everybody who views things in that way would go, oh, well, you know, this is a bad idea because, you know, they said it, right? So this is what I'm trying to point out is this is not an effective way to discuss ideas and topics. And we need to kind of get out of the way political spectrums view these ideas um, and kind of get into something that's a little bit more nuanced, a little bit more deeper understanding about it. And of course, um, when it comes to technophobia, we have the same sort of issue. There's a ton of innovations coming up within uh, robotics, within uh, automation, within AI that are going to be incredibly helpful and useful for human beings, like to move us towards a society where we can work a lot less and focus on our passions and focus on our creativity and focus on things that allow us to to find joy and to find, uh, you know, uh, something that, that brings deeper meaning to our life. These technologies are coming and they're absolutely necessary. The question is, is that right now there's a technophobia, again, because of the way Great Reset is talking about things, because of the way Elon Musk might be doing something like Neuralink. You know, there's responsible ways to use these technologies. I, I've read, you know, The Fourth Industrial Revolution, a couple of other books written by, um, you know, Schwab and, and the gang there. And there's a lot of really great ideas in those books and then a lot of really scary ideas in those books. And a lot of it has to do with the worldview that drives the way they think or drives the way they want to have control over the way society operates. So yes, we need to resist the way they're thinking about things, but um, but the technologies themselves are not necessarily bad. And we gotta be able to see it that way. And then one of the final episodes will be a, a discussion around consciousness and this concept of oneness, which is ultimately, um, you know, looking at when it comes to consciousness, this sort of understanding of there's a lot of emerging science uh, in the field of, of post-material science in, in particular that is, is giving a, an indication of what is the nature of our reality, what is the nature of human beings, and how that would impact our worldview, the story of who we think we are, and of course how that then would change the way we make decisions, it's changed the way that we, that we see things uh, in life. And at the end of the day, um, we, we kind of need to sort of reassess some of these old ideas with some of the new ideas that are coming uh, onto the table when it comes to this type of stuff. So there's going to be a lot of discussion around consciousness. There's going to be a lot of discussion around how we uh, understand, you know, sort of who we are in, in more of an updated way. I'm not saying that we're going to have the absolute understanding of who we are, but um, we are connected in ways that we may not entirely realize. And there's a lot of science to back up these types of ideas that don't really see the light of day. And it changes the way we see how we interact not only with each other, but our environment. So we're going to cover some of that stuff. And then of course, this subject of oneness is really just more so an understanding that we are connected once again in ways that we may not realize, not just in what might be uh, what is revealed through post-material science, but more so in this idea that we are all sharing one planet here. 
And the decisions that are made on one side of the world are absolutely going to affect what's happening on the other side of the world, so on and so forth. We are part of something that is much larger than you know us, right? And of course, we can think even more galactically as we continue this conversation. But just thinking about Earth for just a moment, what what happens on one side of the world is a, a big you know, it's a big deal to what happens on the other side, especially as we're seeing some of the ways in which our environment is being degraded over and over and over and over again. Every year that goes by, we need to come to terms with the fact that we are one in a lot of ways. And if we don't, we will be shown very, very quickly in the coming years how impactful some of the decisions being made in various parts of the world truly are uh, on all of us. So this is, is going to be a sort of a key sort of concept to, to pull into our being a little bit as we sometimes lose sight of how we're connected to something bigger than we are. And um, interestingly enough, that also plays right back into one of the first things I mentioned, which is the meaning crisis. We start losing our sense of what do we mean in the whole. And when we have this discussion about oneness in a sense, we start to see that we are actually part of something much bigger than ourselves. So. Like I say, this is a rundown of what will be coming in future episodes. Every topic that I went through there is going to be an individual episode that is going to be about 20 or 30 minutes long, just to kind of set the foundation of some of the driving forces behind the way we see things, the lens through which we're seeing uh, the world here at Collective Evolution and the work that we do with The Pulse. And then following that on this podcast, there's going to be a lot more discussions um, diving more deeply into these subjects, into practical ideas around these subjects, practical applications of things that are emerging out of these subjects. Um, so it's going to get pretty interesting as we continue to go along. Thanks so much for tuning into this uh, introductory episode, and we'll catch you next time. Well, that's it. That's all. I hope you enjoyed the show. As always, I want to thank the members of the Explorer Lounge who are helping us to continue doing this work. If you want to support this podcast and all of the work we do here at The Pulse and Collective Evolution, Consider becoming a member of our Explorer Lounge. As a member, you get access to exclusive video content. You can watch all of these episodes ad-free. And you get access to our private social network where you can discuss and learn about many topics with a like-minded community of changemakers. It's truly an incredible place to be, not just for the benefits that you get, but you're directly supporting our dedicated team here at Collective Evolution and The Pulse. Visit explorerlounge.one, that's dot O-N-E, to learn more.